The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman loved being girly and never seemed to relate to the boys or to children in general. She related to adults and hung around them whenever she could. In high school, she excelled and loved being social and stepped into visible roles like the eight high school musicals she played in. And as a young adult, she studied English and marketing. And along the way, she started to sharpen her leadership skills. She felt comfortable leading and others seemed to follow. After a short career in event planning, an opportunity to work for a title company came her way. She accepted and started to flourish as one position led to another. Today, she serves as one of the company's top executives, setting the strategy for growth, expansion, and culture. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Lindsay Smith. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun, and you have so many nuggets of wisdom that I I want to gleam out of you, so let's get started. So you are an executive that can easily see what needs to happen and says, let's get to it. So how do others view your fast-paced decision-making? Oh, Annette, that's a great question. It's true. I am usually at the end before most people are at the beginning, and it's just a really delicate balance where I need to stop and think sometimes slow down more than I know how to, to be able to help move people forward. I I see where we need to go. And I don't think that there's people that disagree with where we need to go, but they want to work through all the the bolts and nuggets to make certain that we get there. And I just want to know that we're going to get there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And can you tell by watching people when your decision-making is making them uncomfortable? Do you see their body language or how do you know when you've got to slow down? We do team profiles. So for my entire executive team, I'm acutely aware of all of their individual profiles. So before I'm even at the end, I know how everybody is going to respond just based on their natural tendencies. When I'm in a group of people that maybe I'm not as familiar with, or I don't know their personality profiles, it's usually pretty obvious with either their first reaction or their body language. Most of them look shocked or they just start shaking their head no and telling me that that can't happen. (laughs) And you just love that because that just makes you more challenged, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to do it. Get out of the way. Either follow or get out of the way, right? Absolutely. Is this something you have to consciously be aware of for yourself or have you gotten so good at it now that it's kind of second nature for you? It's something I have to work on every single day in every single conversation with every team member that I work with um, to be really consciously aware of it. And When there's a lot of stresses in the outside world or stresses just in business in general, it tends to be harder to do because I just want to be at the end. And I just want to solve the problem, close that chapter and move on and move forward. But I know that not everybody can get there. So it's just really important to stop and pause and think and maybe change the sentence or change the way things are phrased or ask for additional input for, you know, the way that we might get to where we need to be together. And you said something, I'm going to keep digging on this a little bit more because you said something that that perked at my ears, and that is patience. And I know for myself, I'm like you, I, I'm usually 10 steps ahead of most people in terms of where I can see things can go to. And, and even see the problems in getting there, they become very clear. But often, we as driven leaders really have to push that patience piece, don't we? And it's, ooh, I don't like it. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> 
No, I don't like it. And unfortunately, I find myself, as I just mentioned, you know, with the stresses of the environment, this last year has just been crazy from a business perspective. Everything, everybody knew changed from a personal life, from your home environment, from even going to the grocery store. There's just been so many additional stresses. I found that I've had less patience the more that stress increases. But it is something that when you can stop and you can reflect, and whether it's meditation or scented oils or something along those lines that can just help to recenter you and repurpose you, it just puts you in a better position to be able to pull at that patience and be able to move everybody forward together. Yeah, great advice. And so you're going to have to set the stage to to nurture that patience because it may not naturally flow, especially when there's a lot of stress. You know, when you're under a lot of stress, it doesn't necessarily bring out the best in you anyway, does it? No, it doesn't. No, nor in your people either. So that's another level of patience that's required. So for years, you hid your power, but once you found a spot where you felt you belonged, you fully stepped into it. So how important is it for powerful women to have a sense of belonging? I think it's critically important for not just powerful women, but for everybody to really have a sense of belonging and have that feeling of acceptance. And I think it's important for everybody to keep their eyes open and listen to their gut in terms of when and where the opportunity for them to really have that belonging might make sense. In a professional world, so many people are doing what they do because it's a job, it's a paycheck, it's going to help them just, it's what they're supposed to do, but they're not really taking the time to think about, well, what is it that I want to do and where is it that I want to be and how do I want to impact people? And when you have that um, opportunity to just lean into that, it really helps to just propel you forward and make you a better human being. So what advice would you have for companies like the one you work for, who's done obviously done a good job at it? What advice would you have for companies and how they can create a feeling of belonging for their women leaders? I think it's just inclusion. It's conversation. It's sharing of information. And it's really understanding because not every single person is going to be a leader. And that's okay. You need to have a whole spectrum of people to make anything move forward. But it really means that you need to take time to understand the individuals in your company, what their desires are, what their whys are, what their skills are. And when you find people who are innate leaders and are driven to really succeed from a leadership perspective, to just continue to nurture that, continue to have conversations and continue to push them to be the best version of themselves. Yeah, yeah, good perspective. So others often feel intimidated by powerful women. Any woman want to retract and appear small. Has this happened to you? And how do you keep from getting caught in this play small trap? I think that anybody who says it hasn't happened to them, in my opinion, wouldn't be truthful. Because I believe that at one point in our life, all of us have had to play small, especially when you're as driven Annetta as both you and I are. Um, And I think that you just have to remind yourself that once you're surrounded by the right team, you're not going to feel like you have to play small anymore because the right dynamics are going to be in place. You're going to be in the right environment where your leadership is nurtured, where your abilities are recognized, and you're just going to be in a position where you realize that you don't have to have this facade or this mask on anymore, because you're going to be in a position where people are going to support and uplift you. Those types of situations do exist, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. you're, you're, you're in one of them. So. I am. I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah. And I know for so many women, they don't experience what you just described. I don't think it's because companies don't want to provide that. I'm not sure if they understand how to provide that. And I think that, you know, as a, as a woman and as a leader, you need to take responsibility for that yourself. And you have to make certain that that is known. You know, for me, if I didn't make known what it was that I wanted to do, 
and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to be, it wouldn't have happened. People aren't going to just hand things to you and say, you know what, and I think this is a great thing. Nobody came to me and said, I think, Lindsay, you should do this. It was something where I said, this is what I wanted to do. And once I made that intention known both to myself, to my company, and to the universe, things started to happen. I love that because you actually took responsibility for how you wanted your career to unfold as opposed to waiting for someone else to do it for you. Most most certainly. Yeah. Sometimes we get caught in this um, empowerment trap of expecting other people to give us power. Sometimes we have to step up and express what we want and take it ourselves. Well, I can say even from the the leaders that I mentor and that I have on my team and and that I watch develop, those that are the most successful are the ones who have shown that they wanted it. Because they've come to you and they've shown that that drive and that passion and that energy towards getting to where they want to be. And it's just made it easier for them to step into those roles, but it's also made them more successful in the roles once they're in them. And made you more willing to sponsor them. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you told me that you get disappointed often. And my question to you, why is this and how do you deal with disappointments? I do get disappointed often, and and I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I have ridiculous standards sometimes in my head, and and I I don't think that the media helps any of these things. When I turn, I'll go back to when I turned 16 years old, um, my parents had a lovely surprise party for me, but in my mind, I had seen my super sweet 16 on MTV, and there were pink balloons, and there were all these things everywhere, and despite the fact that I had a party, I went, well, what didn't I have? I didn't have this because it was the image that I had. And I find myself holding myself and my team and you know those around me to much higher standards where I expect more from them and I expect them to do more. And just because that's how I'm wired and that's how I perform and how I'm driven doesn't mean that everybody else does the same thing. There's a lot of things I expect people just to do because, well, because I think that that makes sense. So shouldn't you also think that that makes sense? And when they don't do it, then I become disappointed. And really, I've had to go back to myself. You know, we talked about patience, but I have to just go back to myself and realize that as long as I'm performing at the standards that I expect to be performing at and I'm controlling myself, I can't control everybody else. What I can do is I can give them as much support as they need. I can give them the resources that they need and I can set expectations for them. And I can't be disappointed when people don't perform because they're the ones who have to want it. I can't want it more than they do. So you have to make sure it's not about you because that's where the disappointments really get all tangled up is when you make it about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that very easily. And you're wise to recognize that. Doesn't mean they don't still come though, does it? No. (laughs) Not at all. At least you're self-aware now. career really started to take off when you got out of your head and paid attention to what your gut said regarding an opportunity. So how do you keep these days from getting into analysis paralysis so that you don't miss opportunities? I think that when I you know, leaned in, as I'll call it my Sheryl Sandberg moment, and leaned in and said, hey, I'm going to do this. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why I'm going to do it, but I'm going to follow you down this escalator and I'm, I'm going to jump in on sales and growth meetings that my entire perspective changed because I saw what was able to happen. And so now I don't really think about things. I I just jump in. I was um, in a a restaurant in Texas about three years ago 
and the server was was just talking about how he was a skydive instructor on the side and he was eventually moving back to Chicago because they've got better skydive culture. Now I had never desired to skydive. I had never wanted to skydive. I had never talked about skydiving. Somebody at the table said, okay, let's go skydiving tomorrow. And I just jumped right in. All right, I'm there. I'm going to do it too. And so I learned to really not think about things, but just jump in and move forward and just take risks and opportunities. And I'm either going to learn something for them or I'm going to make something of it. And either way, it's a good thing. Mm. So I, I love that. And that's kind of a unique perspective. I'm not sure many people are able to frame that as brilliantly as you just expressed. So what would you say to women? that tend to get into their head? Because I know you have seen, I've seen it many times, opportunities come and by the time they talk themselves out of it, it wouldn't matter anyway, because the opportunity has gone. I mean, it's pretty simple. I would say, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? The worst case is it doesn't work out and you go back to wherever you were before, whatever you were doing before. The best case is it's something that just changes your life or changes the trajectory that you're on. But Don't think about things in such a way that you're going to then have regret for not have taken action sooner. Well, or or even framing them as a win-loss. See, often people frame opportunities as a win-loss, and it may not be a win-loss. It may be the next step you need to go to to get the big win. I think that's really eloquent, Annette. And in every opportunity, whether there is a win or a loss or whether it's just this next step, there's something that you can learn. And as long as you've learned something, you've moved forward in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. And it's funny how I have even, I'm going to dig a little deeper on this because this kind of leads into something that I was thinking about in terms of women investing in themselves. You know, women will hesitate so much. They will say things like, oh, I've never spent that kind of money on myself or something like that. And what they miss uh, is that in investing in yourself, if you come away with one gold nugget, it was worth every penny because all those tend to remove you very quickly up the success ladder. Have you found this to be the same as well? I have. I have. You know, I, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, especially when I'm traveling, seen a lot of speakers. And really, that's my goal. What's the one thing that they taught me that I didn't know before I walked into that seminar, or before I listened to that book, or before I invested into that program? What's just the one thing that I can take away from it? So many times I think people think I need to be able to apply all 365 topics. They get into that over analysis. I've got to be able to apply all 365 things. And if I don't do that, then it's not a valuable use of my time. And when you can break it down to just that one thing and say, there's only one thing I need to take away. And then yes, it was worth my time. Yeah. And I often find that uh, women on this platform, that is something they have in common. They approach situations of growth and expansion, looking for one thing of value. They don't have to have a laundry list. If they get one, it's one thing that moves them forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So asking for help is tough for many powerful leaders, but it certainly is crucial for expansion personally and professionally. So do you struggle with asking for help as a leader? Every single day. Every single day. I think a lot of that goes back to just feeling like, well, if I can't do it, then maybe I shouldn't be where I am. If I can't do it myself then maybe there's somebody else who's better to be where I am. And so it's just really about having the confidence to be able to be vulnerable enough to say that just because I'm not great at everything doesn't mean that I'm not great at something and that that something is what continues to push me forward. And those things that I'm less great at, somebody else can help me and that's okay. And there's going to be somebody else in a a powerful leadership position who's going to need my help and they're going to come to me. And that doesn't mean that they're not incredible at what they do. 
And I, you know, there was a song like if I was a little help from my friends. And I just think about that and think about how really we all need one another. It's about figuring out ways to position ourselves where we're okay being vulnerable. And it goes back to what I said a little bit ago about assuring that you're surrounded by the right team. And do you find that you are your own worst critic? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of the things that I'll say, I didn't do this right, or I didn't do that right. The people I share it with didn't even know that it was wrong in the first place. And so it's really just interesting to get outside of yourself and outside of your head and into somebody else's perspective, because they'll see the 35 things you did right, but I'll focus on the one thing that I didn't do quite as well. And that's a dangerous cycle to get into, isn't it? It is. Because it creates self-doubt. It creates the feeling of the imposter syndrome all those things that are not a place of peace or of happiness, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm going to stay in this for a second. So in this place of being so driven as you are and feeling like that you don't want to ask other people for help because, you know, maybe it'll show that it'll be a sign of weakness or, or something like that. So in this space, do you ever feel like a caged animal? Caged animal? Wow. No one's ever asked me that before. I don't know that I'd say I feel like a caged animal. I just feel, you know, sometimes helpless because I'm in a position where I'm trying to get everything done. I don't want to ask for help. I know I've got to get things together. I don't want to let anybody down. And I mean, that really is what drives me. I want to make a difference and I don't want to let anybody down, not myself, but not other people, most importantly. And so I'm in a position where by not asking for help, I'm putting myself in a position where I could potentially let people down. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. So it's almost a, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. One that you have to constantly check yourself on, I'm sure. And I'm sure many other leaders listening get into the same cycle because it's a very easy place, especially for women to get into. I don't see that so much among men. Do you agree with that? I do. I think that, you know, from early on, men have held their emotions in a different way than women have. And so I think that that's just been built over the years. And I think women as a whole tend to be more empathetic. And so I think that that's part of the reason why women are in a position that men aren't in. Yeah, I have to agree with you. So I'm going to stay in the the personal front for a second. So at one point, you thought that you might want to be a stay-at-home mom but you changed your mind. So what did you realize? I realized that I absolutely love and adore my children. And I needed the interaction and the fast pace of a business world to be able to really make me feel fulfilled. I've got everything I need at home, but I also needed to have the other side. And when you added the other side, it allowed me to just be a better person, a better role model, a better example, a better cheerleader, and just better engaged in my personal life as well. Did you feel any guilt because of the society's pressures of how you needed to show up? Sometimes, sometimes. I've been running fast since my kids were little. And so they are really um, aware of what I do and how I do it and when I travel and what that looks like. And there's moments where they'll sit on their bed and they'll cry. Don't leave me, mommy. Don't leave me, mommy. And it's really difficult. It's difficult to leave them. And it's difficult to know that I'll be gone for five days and that will be in different time zones and things of that nature. But my husband takes care of them at home. Everything is in order. They've got a, a really great life. And, you know, I feel like I'm able to provide for them in ways that if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't be able to. And I'm also to be able to give them a really good example. My own mother, you know, she went back to work when I was probably 
seven years old, if I had to, to guess, and I learned from her passion and her drive. She always wanted to do and achieve more and just pushed herself to do that. And so I can remember that. And I want my children to remember the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> what great wisdom. And, and, and I'm glad you gave that perspective, Lindsay, because I know so many women do struggle with that need to have the fast-paced life of business, but yet they struggle with the internal disconnect and guilt from desire to be with their children as well. Again, I go back to media between the television shows and the Pinterest boards and the Facebook mom groups and things of that nature. There's just so much external pressure, so much external pressure to be perfect and to do everything and to do everything well. I say you need to do everything the best that you can. Yeah, I love that. So Lindsay, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I think that, you know, the most important thing is to follow your gut and when there's an opportunity or when you're, you know, something inside just says to you, I should do this. It might not make sense. It might not seem like it's appropriate or it might not seem like it's, it's even the the path that you had envisioned yourself being in. Just lean in and just take the opportunity because the worst thing that can happen is you can say, this wasn't for me and go back to where you were. And I think the other thing that's really important is I've always believed that you should surround yourself with incredibly positive people. The toxicity and the negativity just need to be eradicated from your life because they're just going to impact you and just drag you personally down. And then the last thing I would say is dress for where you want to be, not for where you are. I come into the office even on casual days and people just look at me and shake their head, but I'm always in constant pursuit of where do I want to be next and what does that look like? And And how can I present myself as somebody who would fit into that type of position or in that type of role? And I do believe that if you dress the part, you act the part. And when you act the part, you can become the part. Yeah. And that means even on Zoom calls, right? Even on Zoom. (laughs) Because people get a little lackadaisy sometimes when they're behind the screen in their own living room. So They sure do. do. Turn the camera on and make sure you're ready to go. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And don't forget that you might have to get up and get something and don't have your pajama bottoms on, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. My heels never go out of style. Never go out of style. Exactly. Lindsay, thank you so much. I know you're a busy executive and you don't know how much I appreciate you taking time to come and share your incredible wisdom that you have of how the challenges of being a leader and how you're meeting them head on. Annette, thank you so much for your time and for inviting me to be part of this platform. I've really enjoyed working with you and having conversations and I'm looking forward to the next time we're able to connect. Absolutely. And Lindsay is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds. 